Okay, so you understand that many people would now be offended by what you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people would be, yeah. Because, like, people want to act as if humans are, like, infinitely flawed when they're not. Welcome to Ask Me, Ask You, where we do interviews with a twist. The guest asks half of the questions. Based on their passions or expertise, ranging from self-improvement, psychology, hobbies, relationships, philosophy, spirituality, and more. Are you ready? Let's start. So we're starting this right now. And my first question is, who are you? Um, who am I? Hmm. That's a, it's a hard question to answer because it's a, I think because it means so much, like, because like, I guess what I'd normally say is my name, but that's not really answering the question. That's a, that's a label that is more or less arbitrarily assigned. So I guess I could go into more like fundamental processes, but then them in themselves would be so um, fundamental and baseline that anybody listening to it couldn't effectively interpret it because they wouldn't have be aware of where they lead to or um the implications of them and of course they wouldn't because they're not me and they've not had the same thought processes of I, as i have had so um i don't know i think that maybe i think that's that question is better answered by another person because who i am is going to be more important to them than it is to me in relation to them. So they should probably figure it out for themselves. Yeah, that's, that's my answer. So the way I understood it was that it really depends on who is asking the question because you can define yourself in many ways. And therefore the most important thing is the context in and your relationship with the person in the way of how they see you or what is the context of the conversation, maybe? Well, I, I think that that question is significant to other people if they're interested in the person. And that's for them to figure out as a consequence. Okay, so for you, it would be more preferable if I said like who you are and define who you are, right? Well, if it's important to you to know what I'm like, then I think you should figure it out. Yeah. But that's not, that's not any obligation that you're under. It's preference. And, uh, I think it's the same for everybody. Okay. So you said that, uh, I, I should define you if I care about uh, it, about you and who you are. So I guess when I do, then I will say that at least some kind of basics, like you're called Gabriel, which is a label as you describe for your name, but, uh, more as a person, uh, for those who are into psychology and MBTI, you will be labeled as INTJ. Uh, you are working also on a book, uh, that is connected to MBTI psychology and these kind of things. And from different kind of perspective, you're white haired dude who just came in here with, uh, a Mac and 
to do an interview with me. Okay, so I guess uh, that will be your answer uh, to the question and my input in trying to somehow understand your answer better. So therefore, now we will switch it around and it is my turn to answer the question, who, who am I? And I guess I would agree with you that it depends like who is asking and who they want to know because I can define myself in so many different kind of ways or describe myself, for example, from psychology, uh, from physical appearance, from like some kind of legal things like names, status, and these kind of things from demographics where I live and these kind of things. And therefore, I guess one way is to say all of the features about you or all of the, the perspectives that you can describe yourself so that the other person uh, will be able to at least find the thing that interests them and they want to use as the definition of who you are. Or on the other hand, you can do the same uh, as you did, where you haven't actually stated anything specific, you, you haven't chosen any specific perspective to describe yourself, and you let the other person actually describe you. So I guess uh, that uh, these will be the things of how we will ask this kind of question. So therefore, now, do you have a question that we will try to answer next? Okay, sure. Um, what is the... How should society move forward? How should society move forward? Now I will display it on the screen and we can start. So basically it is my turn to answer this. So how should society move forward? Now, in order to answer this, I guess I would be interested more in what does it mean to move forward, move forward in which kind of direction and also, what does it mean shoot like based on which kind of standards or uh, criteria or definitions? Um, I guess this is kind of more general thing. And if you want to answer anything kind of accurately, I guess it depends on which perspective you're looking at it or from which context you're looking at it. Because if I should look at it from the perspective of time, well, the society is moving on forward on the timeline just by the time passing. So there is no need to change anything. It will move on. If I should look at it from different kind of perspective, maybe from the values uh, that are currently being, I don't know, trending or popular, and maybe some kind of shift based on some kind of values. But in that case, you would have some, you would have to have some kind of values based on which you would try to evaluate it upon. And you need to have some kind of vision of what is the definition that you want to move forward. And based on that, based on your criteria and the end goal that you're trying to achieve, I guess only after you define both of these, you will be able to figure out of how you can get to the end goal by the criteria that you set. Um, ethically. <laughs> okay. So. 
as we could see, uh, you would just let me uh, talk uh, about these kind of things, and you had clear under understanding of <laughs> in which context you wanted me to answer this. Uh, so moving on forward, uh, feel free to interrupt me if you uh, want to clarify the kind of question instead of me trying to find the context of what you meant. So yeah, uh, so ethically. Now, I guess, just like I explained, if the criteria would be ethics, then I guess, first of all, we would need to define what is kind of ethics and what is the current state of the society right now compared to the values, the ethical values, and what is mm -hmm. the desired state that we want to move forward. Uh, so I guess if, you know, ethics is not something that can be precisely and accurately defined based on certain things, because ethics is ex exactly the thing that is outside of the legal system that you can't actually define in, in law. And that is what differentiates a uh, yeah. legal system from ethical system. Now, there can be some kind of correlations in the way of where they want to move and what they generally consider to be uh, positive or negative. Uh, but because of the difference between the law and the ethics is in a way that uh, it cannot be exactly defined. So that is why when it comes to ethics, it's more subjective, also based on uh, who you ask. And different people would have different kind of standards or values of what they would imagine the perfect state of ethical society be. And if you have different kind of criteria, like what will be the thing that you will decide, which is the correct one based on the majority. Like if most people think that this is the definition of ethics, like will you go that? Well, what if the majority is not true and they're like delusional? Would you then try to use their definitions just because it's majority? I guess that, uh, therefore, this is something that would be more subjective uh, rather than being able to accurately describe. And therefore, I guess I will not give any specific answer because my answer does not have to align even what is true or better. It would be just my subjective uh, perspective on this kind of thing. And I think I've been talking quite a lot. So therefore, I guess we can move on to not spend the whole thing, just me talking about this thing. So what do you think about my answer for this? I think I, um, I think I understand that, uh, that complex questions require many different like sub questions in order to get to a, get to a proper, um, a proper conclusion. And is there even a proper conclusion or is there even something that we can agree that would be the proper one when it comes to certain things? I think, yeah, I think so. Um, okay. So this train of reasoning, um, so we can switch it around and theoretically the, uh, So we're switching it around and now you can basically explain. The, the screen's frozen. I can't see it properly. <laughs> Great. Uh, I just switched the screen. So we're on the other side. So now it's your turn to actually answer this kind of question where you can explain your perspective of uh, how would you look at answering the 
ethical point of view from the society moving forward. Hmm. I think that there's a I think there's certain certain systems that make things systemically worse or systemically better based off if the system is adhering to it. Um, and I think that that law includes humanity overall and not, not only humanity in a collective sense but humans in a in an individual sense um and i think that what we should be doing as a probably not all of us that would be silly but at least some people should be figuring out what they are and how to best adhere to them um but some of the things that i've i've observed is um being honest with yourself at all times and i think the because you can't really do that in a societal sense because it doesn't doesn't span out to other people very effectively but i think the closest equivalent would be um something along the lines of unfiltered communication between people and so i think the freedom of speech should be enforced as a result um, okay, so I guess yeah, you would um, you would see I can, it in I can a way we generate more uh, where the societal kind of standards and values uh, promote freedom of speech and truth and uh, some kind of unfiltered kind of understanding of humans and authenticity, something like this, which would promote people to actually yeah. be honest, because if the society is set up in a way. It is, it is promoting uh, the otherwise to actually try to make some kind of fake image or something and to not actually share the truth, then I guess more peop our people would be more aligned uh, or incentivized to actually not be honest uh, when presenting publicly. And therefore, they may also try to use this kind of approach also in their private lives. So when they're appearing inauthentic and dishonest in public, then I guess they may also be more likely to do this in their private lives. So if the societal kind of standards would change that on the other hand, it would promote being honest and authentic to yourself and these kind of things that it may incentivize people to be more like this and it would contribute to more ethical society or something like this. I think, it, I think it would, um, I think it would in more ethical society because people would uh i guess come to terms with their nature more and then as a result change it if they think it was unethical that's probably true um yeah i could agree with but this i I, I, think, I think yeah i i think the real benefit would be um with open speech comes open criticism and with open criticism results in like the more the more stupid ideas being um mocked more and then they get promoted less and i think that's the main benefit yeah i would agree with this and i have a perfect question to follow up on this so therefore if you believe that with uh, 
open speech and freedom of speech comes also uh, openness to criticism, uh, then I guess, what is your greatest criticism of me? Of you? Oh, geez. <laughs> the greatest criticism of <laughs> I think maybe. See, this is the kind of question that I don't like to answer because then I offend people. So you don't have to worry about the. I'll only answer me. the question. I'll only answer the question if you promise not to be offended. I will not get offended. Oh, feel free to throw anything at me. Come on. Okay. I think that. Um, I think that. Uh, the NF subtype, which which you are <laughs> of of INTJ, is um, can be open to the extent, like open in the collection of ideas, to the extent that they don't necessarily get skillful at the things themselves. And I, I guess that's a general problem with any like FN subtype. Um, so I guess I, so I, I, I guess the, the criticism would, well, it's not even really even criticism. I, I guess the, the advice would be, um, um, mastery as is a thing that you should focus on. If you want to like properly comprehend something, if you can master the subject, then you can comprehend it. Um, and that's especially true when it comes to interacting with other people. Cause there's a whole set of like, uh, a whole set of <laughs> complex processes for an INTJ, I guess. <laughs> kind of like, complex seemingly arcane processes that people will at heart will, will adhere to for probably biological reasons that i guess don't come very naturally to them to intjs and uh, the problem with with that and being the the nf variety is they, they typically are interested in people because of because that's kind of the spectrum that their subtype is often drawn to and yeah, so I, I guess as a lack of, with the, the lack of mastery can get kind of like a, a systemic misreading of people, I think. Um, yeah, so I think that's something to watch out for, for any NF that exists. Um, but even more so NF thinkers, I think that's a bigger problem, yeah. So if I understood correctly, I should focus more on trying to develop proper skills and not only being as open with sharing ideas and thinking I understand things when in fact I do not because my skills are not as developed as I may assume. Um, I, I, I think it's switching between many skills. Like so it's switching, but, well, like um, 
if if you're switching between many different many different topics, then you're not really mastering any of them. So your advice would so be for me to get more focused on something, to niche down on something and get really good at it instead of being so open to so many ideas and people, uh, because in a way it is preventing me from actually mastering something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if, if I look at the very successful, like the very successful thinkers that are, that are NS, they typically, see, I, I think what they do actually is they kind of surround themselves in, in criticism in, in order to like hone their, like figure out which ideas are failing or not. I think that's what they often do actually, which I guess is what you're doing currently, which is. Yeah, in a way. And I believe that what you're saying is actually really something that I think you have a point on something. Because in a way, when I look at it, one thing that I'm kind of jealous of or envy uh, famous people is actually not their fame and their fans, but their haters and the amount of criticism that they're getting. Because they can use Mm. all of this criticism and haters figure out, filter what is total crap from what is actually interesting and then use the interesting, reasonable criticism as a feedback in order to improve. And I believe that since I do not receive any, I'm kind of lacking this kind of valuable data and information that that I could use in order to validate or invalidate some of the things about me, which would help me to improve myself. Uh, So I guess that you may be Right onto this. I, I think that criticism is very important for any person. So, because, uh, oh, maybe not. I think, um, maybe motivated opposition to your ideas is important for anybody. There we go. It's more specific. Okay. So, it's more about criticizing the ideas rather than me as a person, right? Yeah, well, I mean, criticizing the person themselves is kind of too too vague. You can't really pin down anything concrete. It's not very useful. Okay. Now, before we started this uh, question, you were kind of concerned about me getting offended. And now I don't really Mm. see any point of why even I should be offended by what you told me. So do you think that you may have some kind of different kind of perception of how I would respond to what you said, or that you change your answer in order to make it less offending because I didn't find any offending in what you said. Well, I think that's because most time I've spent talking to people have not been you (laughs) and most people are easily offended by my perspective. So. It's a kind of like a learned behavior. Okay. I think that now it's time to switch it around and for me to answer this question, because this is exactly the correct mm-hmm. point that I want to follow up because in fact, well, the greatest criticism that I will have for you is in fact that you don't actually speak that much and don't share as much of your thinking and 
even criticism for others, which could be very helpful. And therefore, just like we explained uh, a few seconds ago, that you do not do this because you feel like people would be offended by this. And therefore, you are restricting yourself just to please the feelings of others, even though I guess it's not really your responsibility to take care of other people's feelings. And if they get like offended by you, then they can just block you, shut you down and don't listen to you anymore. Uh, but on the other hand, what could be something more valuable uh, would be if you would not be as concerned about offending people and just go out and say what you have to say. Uh, because in a way, there are people who could greatly benefit from what you have to say. And they will not even get offended by what you have to say because some people value truth more than illusion. And if you can say uh, some tr something truthful, uh, then I believe it is worth saying it even if it may offend others in the process. I agree with uh, a lot of what you said. And I think it works well in like a, in like a mod sense, but when it comes to like how people react, it's not even useful because, because it's like, no one's gonna, it's like, okay, the amount of people I've met that genuinely put accuracy over emotions is like, I think like three people in my life, um, maybe less. <laughs> No, that's that may be a bit, that may be a bit, um, that may be a bit untrue, but like less than 10, there we go, less than 10 people I've, I've, I've had like sustained interaction with have genuinely put accuracy over, like over feelings and, and I've spoken to a lot of people because I'm pretty, I'm pretty like interested in what people are like so I, I talk to them relatively frequently um or at least i'll be around people you know i'll observe how they act but i'm not necessarily personally talking to them um and i i just like the amount of like there's more like psychopaths than there are like truth seekers <laughs> like i might just gonna take the take the like um uh risk isn't the right word take the um the chance that something so like unlikely is going to be like happening there we go. so even if there were only few people uh, mm -hmm. that you met like this that would accuracy above their feelings like do you still believe that it is worth to sacrifice uh being uh, or helping uh, some of these people who value accuracy more than the feeling just to please the majority which values feelings over the thinking because there is this one nice quote that I don't know it exactly but the idea or behind the concept was, was that there will be a state in society where intelligent people will stay quiet just to please the feelings of 
uh, those who will get offended by anything. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. So, uh, I think that that I will not be rude to people does not mean that I'm not capable of being rude to people. So, if I think the thing is worth, um, I, if I think the thing is worth defending, then I'll defend it. For example, for like uh, freedom of speech, I'll, I'll I'll make people upset about that specifically because I think that's worth defending. Um, and like uh, certain certain other things, um, and I I think there's maybe like a because if I was like that constantly, I would just be arguing with people all the time. Like because I because I would just argue with them and I argue with like with myself, and it would be awful for them. And the 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 like the 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 the, 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 the people that would talk to me would be just very like disagreeable, most likely. <laughs> or, or they'll be very open to like criticism and uh, I, I think that it's like if I don't monitor it in some way then I'll be intolerable so what would be like some solution to this what if people invited you to criticize them so they will give you permission to criticize them in that case basically uh would you be more willing to basically go out and say the truth without uh, the, being concerned of offending them? Uh, yeah, if, if someone's gotten into a, like, if someone has gotten into an argument with me, then it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm, I think it's a, like, if, okay, if I think that they've been unethical, then I'll criticize them to, in, to, to the extent I'll criticize myself or, if they've specifically just given me permission, then I'll probably, um, I'll probably do that as well, because it's like they've, 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 they've it's like service them. <laughs> so the kind of service no one really wants. Well, I was interested in it, and that is why also I ask uh, this question of what is your criticism of me, because I view it more as a service rather than something to be offended by. That's unusual, though. Like that's that's not common. And what is more important, something that is common, or if it happens, or there is possibility for it to occurring? Oh, I'm okay. So that it is uncommon means that if I act like that all the time, I won't be getting fired. People. But do you need to act like that all the time, or do you only need to no, no, try a few things and figure out who are the people, yeah. and then focus on those instead of continually? Uh, do this kind of behavior towards people who already receive feedback that it is not appropriate to them. Well, it, it's not like I need to spend equal time with people. So if if, if I find someone that's more like truth seekery, then I'm more likely to want to talk to them. Yeah. So then and then we can be um we can be like focus on accuracy over feelings and then other people don't need to like know about it or care about it and then it's fine then then my ideas are being moved forwards and with the with the useful opposition of somebody else so yeah okay so now we can move on and do have another question to ask question. um geez that's a good question <laughs> um do you think that 
people need a a cultural overarching ethical claims to adhere to in order for society to continue <laughs> i do think that people need a cultural overarching i'm typing it out so i want to make sure i type it correctly it's like a uh let's see if i can rephrase it uh overarching moral claims to adhere to on a societal level for society to offer it or do you, do you think they're more innate uh, very difficult to even write so i'm not really sure if people will be even able to understand what you're asking can you try to rephrase it in a way in more simple language so people can understand what it even means maybe <laughs> <laughs> um okay so cultural standards is is that something that is created and enforced to the culture in order for the culture to continue or is it underlying human heuristics that the culture stumbles across and then and then decides to enforce them and if that's happening then should it be happening okay so i will put the question in this way that uh cultural standards it, it, it is something that is created or found and adopted because that was the understanding of what i got is this something that you meant yeah okay so uh, it means like whether it is something that people create themselves and basically develop and create basically or if this is something uh, that they find like observe from somewhere else or like from different um, kind of culture it's like it's like uh uh like things that people do just because they're people like certain stereotypes that are very obviously predicated of like evolutionary principles for example so if it's something that comes from nature or if it's something that comes from artificial created minds of people yeah yeah i guess this would be very difficult to answer because well, I, I guess that in a sense if we care about the the truth then the answer would be determined based on some kind of research that can test these things and prove whether or which is most likely to be the cause and therefore i don't really think that my subjective perspective on this matter would create any kind of value in achieving the truth or accuracy of this thing so therefore my answer to this kind of question would not be necessarily relevant to the truth itself but it would be more a biased opinion of me on this kind of topic so therefore i do not believe that my answer would be any valuable in finding the real truth for you that you may be asking and seeking I, okay so i think that the like the actual question i want answered and i'm not really expecting you to answer it because because i don't know the answer myself but i'm trying to collect information in order so then i can think about it that's the real motivation and so 
there there is a culture and a lot of it is um biologically de like developed as a result of biology and a lot of it is also developed as a result of just like people thinking about what should happen and as a result of that a lot of it is inaccurate almost by design so culture gets in the way of accuracy but then without culture accuracy couldn't happen because no individual person could like develop that by themselves so um i guess what what do you think about that so my question yeah. for this would be like do you think that inaccuracy is more coming from the nature or from the people's beliefs and what they create both so in that case like even if people would be perfect in their reasoning and thinking there would still be some form of inaccuracy that would be caused by the nature right um may i'm not sure um i so there's there's plenty of like unconscious processes that are not for being accurate they are for surviving and that there are different motivations and so survival will override accuracy kind of it's kind of uh, inherent to um i guess any organism that's predicated on survival um, but since not all contexts are always relevant to the survival itself uh, then these kind of inaccurate things that are caused by the survival would not mm -hmm. be useful in all of the scenarios so in that case yeah. like accuracy for example yeah so in that case yeah. if people would have the amount of awareness and reasoning they would could be able to differentiate in which kind of context this inaccuracy caused by survival is actually useful and in mm. which context it is completely unnecessary and therefore creates steps in order to remove this bias of inaccuracy or to think about of how they can offset this inaccuracy in this kind of context where it is not needed but i guess this would require for the people to be very conscious and very rational about not only recognizing the specific context in which it is useful and which it, it is not, but also to come up with a proper strategy to offset this inaccuracy in the given context in which it is not useful. Yeah, well, I think that would be the resolution to it. But I think that's a hard resolution to get to. So therefore, in order to achieve this, like people would need to be very good at thinking and reasoning and since many people are not some capable or not as good by nature in this or do not value it then i guess that even though theoretically it is something that could be achievable from the practical point of view it is not very likely to happen and therefore i guess we need to we need to uh, take it as a fact that there will always be this kind of inaccuracy and that people will not be able to properly offset it 
by the reasoning because they either cannot or don't want to. Um, and in that case, those people who are able to think reasonably would need to use this inaccuracy as expected element in all of their lives. Well, as, as long as if people that are in that cycle will understand that they're in the cycle. So, <laughs> like, I, I, I think there's a way to resolve it. I don't know what it is. I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, so I guess, should we move to the next question? Sure. So now it's my turn to ask something. Mm. And my question would be, what do you consider valuable? Oh, I think, I think, um, what promotes positive experience is valuable and anything that doesn't isn't. So it would be from the perspective of experience, which means like, uh, the state of the person and how it is impacting the person who is experiencing the thing. Um, the, the person or the process itself, pro providing the process is capable of experience. Okay. So therefore valuable in a concrete example would be, uh, that something is creating a positive experience to me, right? Yeah, but it must be promoting it or maintaining it. So it can't be, um, it can't be something like hard drug use because the, the, the overall pattern is, is, is damaging for your systems long-term. It could be certain kinds of drugs in a temporary fashion, but it couldn't be like, like meth, for example. So in order to define this in more clarity, it would be something that creates positive experience but does not basically sabotage you in the long term by experiencing it. It's, it's like, a like imagine there's like tokens and then the tokens must be in the positive overall. So like, like you can't, you, you, like you can't just cash them all in at once because then you don't have any in the future. So it has to be like a steady rise or, or maintaining what you have. Okay. Now, if I should answer this and give my definition of it, then you were looking at it more from the experience of the person and how it, it is affecting the person, right? Now I look at it more from the perspective of the end goal that the person wants to basically achieve because not all people uh, have their end goal as their own experience. For example, I may value more the result and the achievement of something than my own experience in order to get there. So therefore, that still, that still is your experience. What? That still is your experience because you, you perceived it. So it, is, it, it, so it is your experience. So basically, um, the way of how yeah. you would think about experience is not actual like feelings or perception of how something is impacting me but also uh, my desire of achieving something would be considered an experience. 
but yeah it is yeah yeah it's it's like um it's like um it's like people do things because they want to do things even if they're doing things for other people it's like okay if, it's like if i see an injured uh, dog and i decide to like like take it to the vet it's it's not because i it's not because i wasn't doing it for the dog i was doing it because i didn't want to feel bad about the dog Okay, but from so I was doing it for the dog, but on the underlying process, is still your experience. So therefore, I guess this opens up this kind of uh, topic of selfishness of whether people are actually doing anything for the sake of other people, or if everything is basically because of their own selfishness. And I think this will be great to actually use as the next question where I will define it uh, more properly. So I guess uh, that I would phrase it in a way that are also the selfless people acting based on their own selfishness in a way that even when someone does seem to be basically selfless and trying to help others isn't the real cause their own selfishness because they gain more value or more positive experience by helping others than by helping themselves meaning in a way that by helping others they're satisfying their own need to help others because it makes them more happy than if they were just focusing on themselves. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah, because like you, you are your perceptions. So yeah, because you wanted to, even if you're doing it for other people. So therefore you would agree that all people are selfish. Some people just benefit more from uh, working or focusing on themselves and other people from focusing on others. Um, I don't know. I think the whole like selfish, um, selfless paradigm is kind of wrong because I, I, th I think the paradigm kind of is wrong in itself because it's like, you must do things for yourself regardless of context. Um, but what they are can then be judged through, through ethical criteria. So it's like, you could be like acting in ways that like are unethical to other people for like a person could be doing that and, and they could be called selfish but it's like it's 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 not lit it's like everyone is literally self-centered because that's the center of your processing you have to be um yeah so that's what i think i i think it's a false paradigm okay so if i should answer my kind of question and i guess i agree with you that even though some people claim they're selfless you always need to be basically uh going through your own perspective perspective and own biases and own self-reference as the center of your point because whatever you think whatever you act behave or communicate is always dependent on your experience on your own desires feelings uh, beliefs and all of these things so therefore, you mm. cannot actually detach yourself from your own experience and your memories and 
beliefs to a state where you could be completely selfless and objective. And therefore, those people who look more selfless or act selflessly are not actually really selfless. They're just benefiting more or it makes them more happy to be focusing on others in order to satisfy their own needs of value or something compared to that they would be doing it for the other people at the core level. Uh, okay, so I, I, I agree with what you said, but I also think that that doesn't happen. So I, I agree with this in theory, but look, with the people that are super self-sacrificing, they usually go through a cycle where they're super giving and then they're super resentful. And, and it doesn't seem like it's very healthy. So it's, it's like, I, 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 I think that it's a kind of being um, irresponsible to be like that in itself. Cause it's like, if, if you're super uh, focused on other people's experience, then you're probably, um, you're probably not focused on your experience and it's probably a way to, to like avoid whatever that is. And long-term you're kind of affecting people around you in a negative way because of the, the, the unconscious resentment that will build up as a result of you doing things for them and they're, they're not returning the favor because they've got a different set of values than they, than you do. So no, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you personally. I'm talking to like a hypothetical person. Yeah. So basically those people who are focusing only on others will come to a state where they burn out themselves from the lack of focus on self, because everyone needs to be focusing on themselves, at least to a certain kind of point. And therefore, yeah. in a way, by being completely selfless, they're actually not selfless because it will result in being them burn out. And therefore, in that case, there will not be any value, not only to others, but not even themselves. So in a way, in order to be completely selfless, is not a good, good strategy in the long term anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess so that uh, we agree on this thing. So do you have another question? Okay. Um, if you could, if you could have an impact on the world, what would it be? But in like a realistic sense, like what could you actually do as opposed to like, you know, I would, I would make that to be no hunger because I'm magic. Like, <laughs> what could you, what could you like technically achieve? Okay. So I phrased it in this way. If you could have an impact on the world, what would it be in a realistic sense? Yeah. Is it okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I believe that the best way that I could create a lot of impact on the world would be firstly to find a really good person um, as my partner uh, because good relationships and partnership and uh, this kind of intimacy and trust uh, that you can achieve uh, with your partner will greatly benefit not only you but also the other person in a sense that your mutual relationship and interaction will benefit both of you as long as it is a healthy kind of relationship. So therefore 
my first like kind of point or objective, which is also what I'm focusing on right now, is to find someone who I can develop this kind of level, very high level of trust, intimacy, and mutually kind of benefiting relationship because it will both help me and the other person, which in fact will make me achieve my potential more or make me myself a more valuable person, which basically would enable me to be able to create and generate more value. And therefore, the first step would be this kind of relationship, which would help me. And if I myself become more valuable and more capable of creating some kind of impact, then through the understanding of myself and my strengths and also my weaknesses, I would try to find a way uh, in which I could leverage on my strengths in order to create the value in a way which seems to be the most reasonable and beneficial on the paper, uh, as well as uh, aligned with my own interests and, and feelings, because I believe that any person can create the most impact if they achieve the highest version of themselves, because by being more valuable yourself, you're more or more capable of creating more value and more impact on the world. And that is why I look at this from the perspective of trying to become your best self, which may include multiple kind of ways of how you can achieve this. One of them is, for example, a very good health relationship. And then from understanding your strengths and weaknesses, try to find a way that is both aligned with your strengths and is both aligned with your kind of passions or feelings. So it's both the thinking and feeling kind of side, because that has the highest potential of actually creating some kind of value or impact on the world, rather than trying to go with some kind of societal standards that may not be perfectly aligned to you. So in the most summarized way would be to use uh, your strengths uh, in order to find a way in which you can use them, them the most rather than to try to go by some kind of societal standards which may not be aligned to you. So find a way that is the most aligned to you and continue in that kind of way. Okay. Makes sense. Is it, is it my turn to answer the question? Yeah. Uh, let's go. Okay. Hmm. I think, um, I think after the, well, I, I think the book is, is part of it actually. That's probably pretty valuable for people. Um, but after that, um, I think, I think probably creating a lexicon of degeneracy so people know what it is and how to recognize it. Um, and therefore how to avoid it or both within themselves and external to themselves. I think that is probably the most likely way I could have a positive impact on society. So once again, what would be, what would you call it? Lexicon of what? Degeneracy. Degeneracy. It's like bad behavior. 
Okay, so we would want to like create this some kind of uh, lexicon or dictionary where you would basically define all of the bad behaviors and their definitions so people can understand them and learn from them and observe if they're behaving in any kind of, of these so that they can then fix it themselves and not behave this way. Yeah, and also learn how to avoid it, you know, because I'm very good at figuring out the underlying structures of how things operate, including people. Because I, I see people in a very mechanical sense, which is not how people see people. But because I'm kind of on the outskirts of people looking inwards, I kind of know how they work, you know, in a kind of like a mechanical sense that people feel uncomfortable when you, when you bring it up. So I guess putting, giving, giving some purpose to that, like, because it's just kind of like noting down the patterns that lead to, to worse things. Because it's like, I'm, yeah, I think that would be genuinely useful for people. Like after the, after the books out, that's going to be useful for people if they read it as well. Okay. So connected to the things we were talking before that you, your strategy is not really, um, being open with communicating it to people directly from the fear of maybe if, if offending them. So therefore your strategy would not be going and talking directly to the people, but to create some kind of lexicon or something, which would be an object. So that would not be tied to anyone specifically. So this way you would not need to be directly communicating it to people like this is bad behavior, but you would create a thing where it would be described and therefore anyone who would be interested could go in there and read it in which way you would completely avoid offending other people because it would be just definitions in some kind of book or lexicon instead of communicating it directly personally to the person themselves. Oh, I think it would be incredibly offensive because <laughs> all, all knowledge in relation to people is offensive because people don't want to like look at the shit they're doing. Um, but I, uh, I think it would be useful for people that had the kind of the, the, the integrity to want to understand it. And I, they're probably the people we should be helping anyway. But isn't being offended a very subjective thing? Uh, so in like a technical sense, but it was still like, still like, uh, people follow predictable patterns of being offended. So it's, it's, it's like attraction. It's like, yeah, there's, there's some people that are attracted to all kinds of like bizarre shit, but mostly it's pretty, pretty standardized. Like women are attracted to certain traits and men are attracted to certain traits and it's usually the same. And then there's some people that deviate and it's the same being offended. Uh, okay. So I guess I would align or follow up with this on another question. So you mentioned that there are some kind of patterns in which people basically uh, behave in what they find attractive. So what would you say that what are the things uh, people are attracted to the most, uh, in which way you can basically describe uh, your examples on the things which you believe that people, men or women are generally most attracted to? 
Oh, is, isn't this kind of like common knowledge? It's like like hip, like hip to waist ratio for men. Um, for women, it's height. Also, certain like um, certain kind of like emotional characteristics. Like like women are attracted to self confidence. No, not self confidence. Like just confidence. Take out the self. Like women are attracted to confidence, for example, especially younger women. Um, that often changes as I get older because that's a dumb attraction strategy. <laughs> Um, and men are often attracted to like, uh, characteristics that are aligned with being good at reproducing. It's, it's just like, it's, it's like evolutionary things. It's, 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 it's pretty sensitized across culture. I'm sure there's a lot of like, um, like, I'm sure there's like, I'm sure that you could look this up in more, <laughs> in more of a scientific way. I, I'm probably, I, I'm probably not as familiar as I could be if I wanted to argue for a problem. Okay. So I guess that is it actually good to try to deny this fact that generally speaking, men want the female to be healthy and nurturing and therefore her appearance or her lifestyle or her body weight is kind of important in this fact, because not well, it is, yeah. But it's important, yeah. If you want, if you, if you're a woman and you want to be attractive to men, they're a criteria. Like I, I didn't invent them. I'm not the. I'm just the messenger. Okay? I'm just like, and it's the same the other way around. There's just you just they just exist, and I'm not. They're not moral claims. Like height is not a moral claim. It's an attractive one, and it's obviously not fair. Obviously. <laughs> Okay, so you understand that many people would now be offended by what you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people would be, yeah. Because, like, people want to act as if humans are, like, infinitely flawed when they're not. Okay, now, if I should answer this, then I guess I definitely agree that there are certain patterns which are true for any kind of person so that they would be more objectively viewed definitely like uh, when it comes to health because of the evolutionary kind of perspective uh for men i guess it would probably be some physical traits maybe height because it's connected to being like strong and being able to protect the other gender so it's kind of looking at this perspective of masculinity and femininity where feminine are more kind of nurturing and masculinity is more about kind of protection and these kind of things. So from evolutionary point of view, I guess that I would agree that these some there are these some kind of trends that would generally more or less apply to basically anyone. Mm. But there is also this kind of great uh, subjective perspective on things, which does not necessarily uh, violate or go against this kind of trends, but is more or less some kind of uh, nuance or some kind of subjective uh, something uh, on top of it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, like being attracted to like hair color, for example, it probably doesn't have an evolutionary benefit, but it was like a still thing. It's like, it's, it's like association. Okay, so I guess that, uh, therefore, the best kind of 
a strategy in order for yourself to be uh, the most attractive is to comply with the kind of general trends that are that somehow exist probably based on the evolutionary kind of perspective and that pretty much people know about but some people get offended even though they are true uh, and then well try to master these kind of general trends and then just add a little bit of this kind of subjectivity into the pool yeah like if you want to maximize your attractiveness yeah <laughs> like it's not not you specific but just just people if if, if a person wants to maximize their attractiveness then yeah and uh, adhere to social and not social uh, adhere to to um to human patterns of being attractive uh okay so i guess uh do you want to go with another question um it's getting kind of late for me so it's like okay yeah so <clears throat> i will finish this up with one last question uh, sure. that will be kind of quick so who should i interview next who should you interview i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know who you know. <laughs> um, what's, what's your interview criteria? <laughs> like, I'm curious about who would you recommend based on this kind of experience? Like who would be a good candidate well, that you would recommend to come in here and have this kind of next interview? Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, Cause like I I don't really know what people what people like how open people are um, um to to like random random intellectual class I guess they wouldn't have to be intellectual classrooms that's 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 just me because that's just me um judging of this conversation um I, I guess maybe targeting INTPs would be a good idea because they're usually up for a they're up, they're usually up for, um, uh, being, being intellectual. They, they, they kind of like, that's the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe ENFPs that they're, they're, they also like, they like novelty a lot and that, that would be, they might like that. Probably get along with them quite well as well. Like, like ENFPs, INTJs usually get along. Okay. So just to finish up uh, with me answering this kind of question. Like you were also doing this kind of interview on your channel, Russian typology with people. And I guess mm -hmm. if I should just pick one name, I would say, uh, Chang from Asian man, quality woman, you already did an interview with him. So I guess it may be kind of nice to also interview him as an ENTJ on your channel mm -hmm. after you finish the book. Okay. Okay, so okay. I guess uh, that uh, this would be it. And this is the end of the first kind of interview. So, uh, well done, Gabriel, for surviving the whole thing. And we're going to see how it goes. Okay, that was nice talking. <laughs> to find out more about Gabriel, check out his YouTube channel, Russian Typology, or the second channel, Nina and Gabriel. Um, if, if you want to, if you want to talk again in the future, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be up for that. 
like the same thing that we will just meet and talk about random questions like version 2 yeah we can do that if you like <laughs>